0: Welcome to your 8th Beer Supervision, the podcast where we talk about the joys of working in mental health over cold brew. My name is Aaron Rajamani and I'm here again with my co-host Jesse Richardson. How are you this week, Jesse? I'm good, Aaron.
1: Uh, <laughs> yes, just just enjoyed the two-hour drive. To our, to our location. Um, <laughs> yeah, we're, we're here now. <laughs> we're, we're weary travelers. So
0: we, we've made it to our location out here in Maribyrnong, which is great. <laughs> yes, a little, little little, far away from Gippsland Not but, a little bit, yeah. but it's okay. <laughs> it's it a good drug. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so why have we come so far for our podcast this week?
1: Uh, well, we've come all the way over to Maribyrnong uh, for our guest this week.
0: Yes. yes, we have Chris May Lee here with us. Dr. Chris May Lee, how are you, Chris?
2: Good, thanks. Good, yep. Yeah,
0: thanks for joining us. So, Chris is, um, well, I met Chris for the first time as um, one of my lecturers and tutors at um, uni um, when I was studying social work, which is very exciting to have him on um, again after not seeing him for a long time. Um, but, Chris is a researcher, mental health advocate. He um, is a social worker and also um, uh, a lawyer as well. Um, so lots of different hats that you wear <laughs> and it's very exciting to have you on. Um, yeah so we're going to be talking this week a bit about um, the mental health system in Victoria um, but also more generally um, about um, mental health and about social work and um, about a recent paper that you just published. What was that um, paper about just briefly?
2: um the, the paper's called "The End of Social Work," which <laughs> um, uh, Jesse helpfully just described as clickbait. It's <laughs> the, uh, that has that title. Yeah, it's. Good. It's. it's uh, I didn't reflecting on that. It's intentionally clickbaity. Like yeah. that's the, that's that's totally the plan. But I mean, we can talk a bit about in, in a bit more detail about it later. But the. I think the the points the main point that I'm trying to make is that social work is not really designed to do what it's supposed to do. And so as a social worker and as someone who teaches social work, I find that endlessly frustrating that mm. we're trying to do something, particularly in mental health. I mean my background's in mental health. Particularly in mental health, we're trying to do something here that is clearly not working. It's not working for anybody. I mean it does some mm. good things. It does lots of good things for lots of good mm. for, for lots of people. But um, after a while the patterns are the same everything we're seeing is the same problems over and over again and so uh, i i guess i'm trying to um i don't know shake things up a bit we need Mm. such fundamental change and it has to be us as well as them we keep we often Mm. there's a sense for social work advocates and other mental health advocates to project out as if all the problems are external but actually like a lot of them are us too. And so right. you know, I think that's that social work kind of reflexivity kicking mm. in there, yeah, you know, yeah. trying to trying to look <laughs> internally as well. Yeah. So that that's what the paper's about.
0: Yeah. Amazing. Cool. cool. All right. So before we get into it, um, important part of the podcast. We have our beer for uh, this afternoon, this lovely sunny afternoon.
1: Yes, yes, we do. Uh, is it really? It's what? not really too sunny though, Aaron. Um, um, there is sun. You're it lying. Exists. You're lying.
0: You're lying <laughs> to our-, our podcast. <laughs> I'm trying to give an aura of what no. I want the podcast. You're to lying. Be. That's what you're doing. A ray of sunshine. How can how can I li- how can our <laughs>
1: listeners trust you? Um, oh, <laughs> no, so, so we uh, we stopped off at um, well, not the Tarelgan Dens. Dan Dan Murphy's this time because well we're not in Tauragain um but we stopped off at a Dan Murphy's nonetheless and uh, picked up a Hargraves Hill extra special bitter extra uh, special yes. bitter and um <laughs> when we were, when we were thinking about what what beer should we go with I think the the thing that really sold it for us was the extra special part yeah um, no like
0: I, I feel like. I deserve something extra yeah. special today. Well, that's, that's <laughs> it. We, 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 we wanted
1: to know what made it uh, taste extra be- uh, extra uh, special, and it says here uh, on the on the on the bottle: mastering balance using New World hops, juxtaposed <laughs> with street <laughs> sweet malt character. This ESB is a classic example of the delicate balance between flavour, aroma and bitterness. This, this beer is <laughs> entirely too pretentious for this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> this I love mistake. it. So right, let's, let's crack it. We we, uh, we have some glasses for this one because they are bottles. Let's see if I can uh, master. Oh, yep. He's done it. That's much, <laughs> much, much better than a spoon. Yes, yeah. uh,
2: <laughs> yeah, so I appreciate you not just banging the, l- the lids, lids off on the table. That's very
1: <laughs> We're going classy. Yeah. I've, got a, I've got a mate who can do it with his teeth, and it's um, that doesn't seem like a good idea at all. No, it doesn't, and, and I'm surprised he still has teeth left. But um, yeah, I would do it with our teeth. That's not, that's yeah. not a question of if, but yeah. should we? So <laughs> we uh, think? Right. have it. Have, have a sip. Mm, yeah, that's oh, that, a, that's an
0: interesting reaction. That mm mm. is not not a good sign something. of things
1: to come in the uh, in the review section. I don't think.
0: <laughs> I'm not really sure what I'm tasting. It's meant mm. to have like a chocolatey flavour or something, I guess.
2: I mean, I, I don't hate it. I, I don't I don't mind mm. it at all. It, mm. it tastes like something put together by the marketing team, rather than <laughs> by someone who really loves <laughs> yeah, their beer. No? <laughs> it's. it's it's not like it's not. I don't know. Yeah. Mm. I mean, it does what it says on the tin. It is a bit bitter. Yeah. And it's beer.
1: Would you say it's extra special? Well.
2: Mm. No.
0: Good.
1: Good.
2: All right. No, I think. <laughs> I think. It's not even. Yeah, I don't know. It's fine. It's stay.
1: It, um, it is abia. Stay tuned yeah. for Chris's next paper: the end of Hug. <laughs> 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 yeah, I don't.
2: I. I don't think that's anywhere near as controversial. I. I, I feel like this particular microbrewery is probably. Um, you it's know, might already be out of business. <laughs> <laughs> it's not that bad.
0: No, it's, it's, not, so bad. it's, not, it's bad. not that bad. It's not that bad. It's fun. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> All right. on that note. Um <laughs> how about we move on. Um to our topic. Um so I guess for a lot of our listeners who maybe have like maybe just like a vague idea of what the Victorian mental health system is like. Um and also like I guess when I was going into it, I still like even when I started working, I still only had like a a pretty general understanding of what the system was mm. like and like it was only when I was actually started working and it was like, okay, so this is how people come into the system, this mm. is the kind of places mm. they go, this is, like, the criteria that people use to decide, are you, are you for us or not mm. for us, that kind of thing. Yeah, like, um, I guess, from your, I guess, your understanding of the system, what do you feel like is the um, the big aims or the, like, purpose or function of the system? Oh,
2: that is, I mean, that is such a, that is, like, a metaphysical question. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, like, really? Because, like, like,
0: I know, like, the idea is... Dealing with mental health in some way, but in terms of our system, what do you think the focuses are?
2: Certainly, I think uh, I might I might kind of preempt my answer just with a bit of context. So, one of the things that I find really interesting about doing mental health advocacy is that uh, people's experience of the mental health system can be so different depending on their Um, role within it and it kind of makes sense but you can work with someone for 25 you can work you can you can talk to someone who's worked in the mental health system for 25 years and they will have fundamentally different um understanding of it depending on where they are and so Mm. just as as an example of that i do a little bit of work um representing people at the mental health tribunal so Oh. So, I'm the lawyer representing representing them. Um, and I do that because I teach law to social work students. So, I like to kind of keep my um, – it's all pro bono. I just like to keep my kind of practice in as a lawyer. Yeah. And uh, the lawyers there have this idea of the system really – because they only see the people who hate it the most. Yeah. <laughs> they have this – They and they, they might have worked in the system for, for you know, like I said, 10, 10 or 20 years. But they've only ever seen people who are really unhappy with the system, because those are the people who get a lawyer because they're being involuntarily treated, right? Yeah, and yeah, so, yeah. and so it's that it's that small group of people who are who are um, appearing before the tribunal who, who represent the system to them. And then you might speak to somebody else who works in a um, in a park, which is a prevention and recovery centre, or um, or even kind of on the fringes of the system doing um, counselling or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they'll have this completely different perspective because they're only ever working with people who aren't involuntary, who are there voluntarily, and so yeah. Yeah, yeah. and so the system is the system, the perspective on the system is, is so different depending on on who you talk to. I guess in terms of my perspective, yeah. in terms of what it's trying to do, the um, the key function I think is about compliance and about making sure people behave within a certain kind of range of tolerances and that and i i, I actually don't think that's controversial it sounds controversial to frame it in that way yeah sure but but you can frame it another way and it sounds fine you can say you know the mental health system is about trying to protect people um from themselves and trying to commit protect the community from people right that that's that comes from my experience mm. in the pointy end of the system working with people who are being forced either detained in hospital or forced to take treatment that they, that they don't want to treat and so um uh, I don't think that's controversial. That the public mental health system is really about kind of catching people right at the point before they're going to hurt themselves or or someone else. Right? Yeah. I don't mean necessarily in a dangerousness sense, but in a in a neglect sense or in a you know a whole range of different yeah. mm. ways of thinking about it. There's. It, 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 it tries to prevent poor mental health, almost in the way that prisons try and prevent crime. You know, like they're definitely trying okay. to—they've definitely trying to achieve mental wellness. But I mean, you guys have spent enough time inside mm. inpatient units to know that um, that is not the environment that you look to to promote w- mental wellness, right? Like yeah, the yeah. just the space, like the sound, the mm. um, interior design—you know, the like. Um, you know uh, the number of people that say um, one of the things I like to do when I'm um, uh, when I'm feeling you know distressed or anxious or, or whatever, take a bath and go for a walk. Right? Yeah. Can't do those things in an inpatient unit. You know, yeah. like all these sort of really basic things that promote mental wellness are not available in the public mental health system. And so that to me really, um, really strongly indicates that actually what we're doing here is is a is a kind of catching or a compliance function, and that's the um i think that's i think that's the point i I don't think that the the i don't think that's intentional that we've ended up with that but that is that is where we've ended up
0: yeah because like my my understanding of it um is that so there's like a there's the low-level mental health stuff so things like um like a a private like some like private psychology or Mm -hmm. counseling and headspace and things like that that ideally is like early intervention or catches things very early. It's like, ah, I mm -hmm. just don't feel quite right. Maybe I'll go see someone for a couple of sessions and deal with it now, knock it on the head. Um, And then the idea is that if it gets too much to be dealt with by that private service or by Headspace Mm -hmm. or something, then you'd refer up to uh, a tertiary mental health service to deal with something more complex. Um, My experience of it is it doesn't (laughs) always work Mm -hmm. like that. Like it seems like it goes from, like something like headspace or psychology to, to crisis. Then it goes mm. to this maybe not particularly therapeutic, but something that's required to manage maybe mm. to pre- like 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 same kind thing, preventing them from hurting themselves or someone mm. else or mm. something like that. And then it goes back. Eventually and then comes back again and kind of goes a bit back and forth. Is that your experience?
2: Yeah, certainly certainly the system is not cohesive and we've seen yeah. a lot the, the Royal Commission is definitely going to make Recommendations to try and make the system. I sure you your uh, assume your listeners Understand that there is a Royal Commission going on in Victoria and yeah, yeah. That we're gonna see major major reforms mm. to the sector We're gonna see a lot more money coming to the sector though. They're, they're definitely talking about system organization Mm. And I guess as background, Victoria has probably the most disorganised mental health system in Australia, and that's partially because of the low funding. So we have the lowest funding per head, or up until two years ago, we had the lowest funding per head right. in the country. Mm. And the other part of it is that, so I used to work in New South Wales, and in New South Wales, if the minister decided something, there was a kind of a way in which things could come from the top down from the minister, and they could be implemented in mental health services. It doesn't work like that in Victoria. The the department, the Office of the Chief Psychiatrist, the Department of Health and Human Services, um, can't say to the mental health services, you have to do this. It doesn't work like that. They're all managed by their local health services and often through the hospitals as well. And so there's not this kind of direct... command and control structure mm. that you might see in other states and territories so that's 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 one reason why it's so it's organized in the public just within the public system but then of course um all of the early intervention stuff you've referred to there mm. aaron is um, federally funded so that's all head, headspace and the better access scheme all those psychologists all the mm. all the gps all that stuff's federally funded so the state government's got no control over that even if it wanted to and so nobody can do anything nobody can kind of um Make like a big sweep Yeah, it can make it. anything happen ever, yeah. and so we're just kind of in this, and that's why we've got this royal commission. We just had a productivity commission um, report released uh, into mental health at the federal level, and they made a whole bunch of recommendations. Uh, next month, we're going to have a royal commission in Victoria recommend. Like, are they going to be the same? Who knows? Probably not. The Victorian <laughs> yeah. government's supposed to comply with both, but how can they? You know, it's it's a, a really fractured. It's a really fact fractured system. Yeah,
1: mm. and so it sounds like it would be um, more beneficial if kind of like both it was it was just under like one stream um yeah. rather than like I, I guess say federal and then and then state it,
2: it really sh- it should have kind of have been it's a lot like education so education has this, exactly the same problem where you've got private schools majorly funded by the federal government and and the um non-private schools majorly funded by the state government mm. and yeah it's it's a it's a you know a function of our democracy is mm. that we have this kind of divide and you know, I think it's what, interestingly the only point that um, all previous um, living Australian Prime Ministers agree on, the, the, the way we have the states set up, is <laughs> really, really not very helpful because you can't get much done. You have to get a consensus basically from all the states and territories to get anything done at the federal level on these mm, topics. And yep. so, um, and that comes back to the constitution. I mean, there's a reason for that in the constitution. I won't, I won't go into too much detail, but yeah, there's a kind of... Um, a legal underpinning for all this mess, but even in countries that don't have that, like New Zealand's a good example. New Zealand have a much better mental health sy- system than us now, mm. but um, just fixing that problem of service disintegration or of, of policy disintegration isn't isn't going to fix it in itself. You also mm. need, you know, a whole range of other things to. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. All
0: right, so. With all that context of, <laughs> of of a a complex and uh, difficult system to work in, yeah. um, we come to um, your paper discussing how social workers kind of fit into that, or. Whether social workers can actually accomplish the kinds of things that they want to within government yeah. systems and things like that. Yeah.
2: So this this is a I think a really good example. Uh, in in that paper, I'm really talking. I mean, it's a it's an internet. published in the British Journal of Social Work, so it's a you know for an international audience. Yeah. Right. And so it's really about social work. Um, I, I do talk about mental health, but it's really about kind of social work's internal narrative of mm. what it wants to do. social work wants to go out and make the world a better place governments employ social workers to do something quite different they employ social workers to you know depending on how you look at it either kind of um keep the unsettled masses mollified with you know the bare minimum of housing and health and and access to education um or to kind of um you know fill in the bits of broken policy you know that th- this is this is this is this is the the central i think the central tension of social work is that we want to move beyond essentially the problems of industrialization or capitalism yeah. but industrialization and capitalism couldn't survive without us kind of cleaning up its messes and so <laughs>
0: yeah.
2: we're perpetuating right. it we're we're part mm-hmm. of this problem and we just can't work out and, and that's been the it's, those debates have been going on for 70 years right so yeah. we just can't find a way out of it. And so that's why, I, I uh, yeah, I don't think social work is, um, as it as it exists today, mainstream, anglophone, so social work that's done in mm-hmm. in the US and the UK and, and Canada and Australia and New Zealand. Um, I don't think it's a functioning, like, model for getting, for moving us forward. It's part, we're trapped in the system. Mm-hmm. And I think, um, I know, Jesse, you said you're a psychologist, and I think psychology has much of the same um, kind of, problems but it doesn't say psychology doesn't say we are a profession that does social change it doesn't mm-hmm. say we're going to change the world we're going to achieve social justice we're going to achieve human rights and then when it doesn't achieve social justice and when it doesn't when it doesn't maintain human rights psychology okay fine we never claimed we were going to but social work does all the time and people like me setting up people like you saying you've got to be human rights Mm. focused you've got to do human rights stuff and then you get employed and they're like oh no sorry your whole job is violating people's human rights so you know Mm. get to work
0: yeah Yeah. well yeah it's, it's, it's like it's definitely like i think you mentioned it in the paper i remember reading reading that it's like It's when you're, when I got into social work or it's the kind of pitch, it's like, you know, this, you're going into this because you, you see that the system is broken and you want to do something about it and create some kind of change and not just, you know, keep doing the same thing over and over again. But a lot of social workers, their funding, whether directly or indirectly comes from the system functioning as it is. Yeah. So it's kind of. Yeah.
2: I I think, I think for me, the main the, the main focus that I'm thinking about now, I mean, this is the way that, you know, that, that journal article I wrote, mm-hmm. um, I don't know, uh, probably six months ago, right? So by the yeah. time it gets published, I'm, all, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about yeah, something yeah, different yeah, yeah, now. Yeah. And um, I think for me, the the key thing that social work can't really reconcile is the idea that we're a human rights-based profession. So you would have heard that in your, yeah, in your um, training, human mm-hmm. rights, human rights, human rights. Um but that's pretty new. So, it only came into the definition of social work in about 2004. Oh, and really? so, a lot of the people who trained you and who trained me hmm. wouldn't have had that. Um, wouldn't have had that. Um,
0: now the, 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 the beer burp is the, a, yeah. it's an important yeah. part of this. Process. Yeah, right. It's a, yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. the, it's a feature. Yeah, It's <laughs> a feature, not a bug. Don't away from it. Lean into it. okay. <laughs> yeah.
2: Okay. All right. Okay. Uh, uh, I was like, you can cut this out, but no, that's going in, yeah. good. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I lost my train of thought. Uh,
0: um, human rights.
2: Uh, yeah, so um, the uh, the the kind of social work is a human rights-based profession is actually pretty new. Uh, you know, a lot of people who are training uh, social workers now, people who are retiring now, weren't trained in the human rights kind of discourse. And... Um, Social work is not—it's not really a human rights-based profession. When I mean, the the um so talking about mental health, the um uh, Convention on the Rights of Persons with Disabilities, which is the United Nations human rights document on mm. on, on uh, you know that covers mental health, so yeah. psychosocial disabilities includes mental health, and most of the people that you guys have been working with in public mental health system are disabled by their by their by their mental distress or their mental health or or however however understood, and so they they fall under the protections of the conventions of the Rights of Persons with Disabilities. But the Convention on the Rights of Persons with Disabilities says you can't discriminate against someone on the basis of their mental health. So you can't use involuntary treatment because somebody has a mental illness. So you can use involuntary treatment in general on the whole population. That's cool. Like mm. you, you, that's not a breach of people's human rights. If if there was mass forced COVID vaccination, right? For example. Yeah. But you can't do it on the basis of disability. And so if we say we're only going to treat people with mental illness involuntarily, but if you've got a um, cancer or something else and we're not going to treat you involuntarily, then that's discrimination, right? Yeah. But the whole, I mean, 55% of people who are admitted into Victoria's um, inpatient units are involuntary. So you can't work in mental health, in public mental health anyway, as a social worker and be, and be human rights compliant. And so we sell you, we sell social workers go and be human rights social workers and then you get into practice and they're like oh here's your job actually here's what it is yeah and so that's that's a major problem that we haven't really reconciled you know within the profession within the discipline yeah and i
0: found that very difficult when i started working like it was really just like brain melting being like working with involuntary clients and just like seeing like the distress they're in when they're like um you know being made involuntary and yeah, it's just it was just so hard and so contrary to all my like my the things mm. I've been taught and the yeah. things I've been I'm um, doing cool. thus far it was, yeah it was very hard I find even around it
1: even like um you know if, if it isn't something that uh you, you have necessarily been taught like you know from the human rights perspective um, with with social work and all that I think even um you know from from yeah you know, coming in as, as a psychologist just um you know stripping someone of their of their rights and, and admitting them it is a really it is a tough thing to, to kind of grapple with, um, this idea that, that I'm going to, I'm going to strip you of your rights and involuntary, involuntarily admit you to a, to a, um, psych ward. It's, it's, it's a big thing. Yeah. It's, it's a huge thing. And it, and it does, you know, for, for, there's
2: a a great book called, um, the mind that healed itself. I can't remember the, the author's name right off the top of my head, but, um, uh, it was written in 1907 or something, and 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 so he was he was admitted to uh, then an asylum, and then uh, wrote this book when he was when he escaped the asylum essentially, and he re- kind of remarks then about um, uh, how. Uh, how traumatizing it is for the asylum workers Mm. to enforce this kind of domination Mm. over people and how brutalizing it is Mm. for them and so this this is not a new thing this this kind of understanding um but i i think i think you could kind of rationalize it you could say okay Mm. this is necessary and that's what we all do when we do that and i worked in mental health before i was an academic. the, you, you kind of say, oh, this person actually needs it. There's no other opportunity. I understand this is bad for them, but I, we have to do it anyway. But then it's not. Like it's, the the, um, the data on involuntary treatment does not hold out. The, the data, the um, randomized controlled trials, when there's um, dozens of them, on uh, uh, community treatment orders just doesn't hold out. So there's no increase in almost anything that you can think of or no no kind of beneficial increase in anything. It doesn't reduce readmissions. It doesn't reduce death. It doesn't... There's a guy called Steven Seagal, different Steven Seagal, um, <laughs> who who researches in this area, and he's, he's, he's found some other kind of some promising things if you look at massive kind of population-level data. But still, like, you're detaining or forcibly treating thousands of people to get, a, to get a fairly minor benefit for some people mm. and then other studies that show no benefit whatsoever. In the inpatient setting, there's no evidence that we can predict suicide, right? And how many people are, are detained for you know supposed or, or, or perceived suicide risk? We just can't predict suicide at, mm. at all. And yet it's a really common reason that people are, are put on assessment and, and treatment orders. Uh, the, if we thought it was going to be therapeutic... I could see that that made that that would make sense. But what happens instead is we kind of help this this system limp along, mm. propped up by involuntary treatment, knowing that people are going to be taken into inpatient units. They're going to be they're going to be um, forced to have medication. The medication is going to have an effect. I'm not saying the medication doesn't do anything. Of course, it you know it, it does something. And um, and then they're going to be discharged. Now, what have we done? Like, what have we actually achieved with that process? Other than perhaps. Um, forcing that person away from the mental health system next time they're not going to call you next time they get in trouble are they because of what happened last time and I, I do really need to reiterate there are a lot of people who really benefit and who do um find the mental health system useful and they absolutely should be able to keep using it and people who use medication find that really useful people who use um even um, electroconvulsive therapy who find that really useful Well, lots of people i've worked with who who said please don't medicate me if I'm in this situation and it looks like this, then please... Like an advanced statement. the advanced yeah. statement. Yeah. Please give me... And I did some research on the advanced statements a few years ago. And, and people said to us, you know, um, if if I'm in this condition, just give me a ECT. It pops me right out again. Then mm-hmm. I worked with other people. I represented someone before the tribunal who, who said, last time I had ECT... I forgot about the first few years of my first child's life. I'm really worried that's going to happen again if I have ECT. I don't want it. I know it's going to take longer for me to get better, but I just really don't want to lose those memories. And the tribunal went ahead and gave the person ECT. So I I just, I want to reiterate, I'm not anti-psychiatry. I'm not anti-medication. I just want a system that actually works and helps people not, you yeah. <laughs> know the system yeah, okay, we've got sure. yeah right. yeah, I'm not I just because there are a group of people who who want <laughs> a colleague of mine I don't know if she would like me to call her a colleague or not but um, <laughs> so in the, in the in the consumer movement who comes and gives guest lectures sometimes for me and um, she would like to see all um psychiatrist imprisoned for the rest of her life like that's her kind of take on it so I, yeah I, I, I guess i'm distancing or, or i'm i'm distinguishing between her position and mine yeah, okay you know, yeah sure yeah
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. no I, I don't think I, I would i would like to see dr kumar or <laughs> dr josh west
0: uh our previous guest yeah yeah <laughs> yeah yeah at least, <laughs> at least not for too long yeah, nah.
2: <laughs> Lots of people get a lot of benefit from psychiatrists, and when I do, I do training for for psych registrars sometimes, and I did one in, in Tasmania uh, in March right before COVID hit. Mm. And um, they're always a bit defensive in the beginning, and then after a while, they're like, "Yes, we would love to see the Mental Health Act repealed. We repealed. We hate having to do this work. We mm-hmm. hate having to, um, you know, detain people in this way. It's yeah. it's it, it's not consistent with us either. But then you talk to consultants who've been doing it for twenty years, and they can't say that." They can't yeah. say they can't say no. The last twenty years of my life was not something I wanted to be doing. Mm. And you understand that,
1: yeah, yeah, right? It's interesting, I guess. When when I when I think about um, you know d- d- detaining people under the Mental Health Act, I I, I kind of I feel like I'm I'm in two minds because there there are definitely um, examples where people are use you know the the phrase. Um, duty of care Mm. i'm doing my duty of care and and so i'm gonna i'm gonna you know detain you on because it's a duty of care Mm. and i've decided that um that that's what's best for you and and that that side of it i'm just like oh like that's that's not not good at all and then (laughs) and then i look at i guess um you know, really acute mental health conditions, say such as like bipolar mm. and, um, you know, when people are going through really, really sort of manic episodes and, and you know, the world to them is seemingly fine. Um, everything's yeah. perfect. And like, you know, this is um, the best I've ever felt. I don't need your help. Meanwhile, I'm going to go away and, and gamble my life savings, yeah. probably cheat on my uh, my partner, um, you know, with, with multiple people. And it's like, so at what point do we like, you know, um, yeah. I think reconcile that because that I, I would consider to be a pretty reasonable, um, reason to, to yeah. entertain someone under, under mental health, health. Yeah. I mean, that's in, I
2: mean, full, so full disclosure, that's bipolar is my diagnosis. So I'm, you know, I, I think I'm falling into a, um, you know, a, a position there anyway. And, mm. um, I, I mean, it, I, I understand mm. that professionals are taught that that's their responsibility to interfere and families are like, why aren't you interfering? Why aren't you fixing mm. this? Like he's gambling. Like this is not him. He's a different person. Uh, 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 you know what's happening here. And so I, I really re- I understand that. Like I'm not yeah. dismissing that. But the reality is that people gamble their life savings well, true, and yeah. sleep with yeah. all sorts of people all of the time, and the state doesn't intervene. And so yeah. and so what what it ends up it's kind of, it's really actually a, quite an interesting philosophical question about the continuance of the self mm. and and the The point that is is regularly made there is um, this person isn't themselves. Mm. This isn't what they actually want. This isn't what they would ordinarily do. And um, uh, there's some interesting kind of philosophy around um, around free will and things. I don't know if you guys are or if your yeah. listeners are across that, but the the there's really no evidence that that we make decisions anyway like yeah. there's there's the 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 best evidence we have suggests that all our all our decisions are a product of our genetics and our environment and so the idea that we are kind of making these independent decisions isn't isn't properly supported anyway so that's that's the kind of um, free will cynic debate right, right? So so we,
0: well we make we make decisions and make laws with the assumption that we have free will. Yeah, right. Our yeah. whole, <laughs> whole justice system
2: <laughs> relies on the idea of free will, mm. but there's no evidence for it whatsoever. And, yeah. and the best neurological evidence, the best philosophical evidence suggests that it, you know, doesn't, um, it doesn't exist. The, um, so there's, there, there's that element, but there's also a lot of really interesting work being done in kind of dementia, um, dementia studies. And you hear that same, that same line a lot of, oh, he's not himself. You know, this yeah. isn't what he would want. Well, hang on, he's a different person now. You know, like the the post-dementia um, person or the person who's experiencing dementia is still experiencing a reality. It's mm. not a shared reality. Yeah. It's different to the reality that they used to experience, but are they now like separated somehow? Like what? at what, well, at what point are we making that distinction? And so th- this is a philosophical question that's going about thousands of years. So the, the there's a strain of kind of Buddhist philosophy that suggests that actually... Um, there is no so the the, the, the Chris Maley that did the um, the beer review, there's nothing to suggest that that Chris Maley is the same as this Chris Maley. Mm. So the the con the, the idea of defining the self and saying this is a person is really it's impossible. I mean, people have been trying to do it for thousands of years, but there is there's no good evidence to suggest that time plus, you know, physical atoms or whatever equals the same person. Mm. And so I, I hear you, but when you yeah. think about it, when you actually like jump yeah. into the metaphysics of it,
0: <laughs> to full ship of Theseus. Well, yeah, you really like. You, you,
2: you, there, there's there like all, I, I guess I'm, I, I kind of went on that yeah. rant because I, I do find it interesting, and there'll be like at least like one or two of your listeners who be like, "Wow, that's fucking amazing! I need to go and find yeah. out, <laughs> just, out more about that." <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean, I mean, just hearing that—that that was like, yeah, that's something that I hadn't considered, and and um, yeah, I've, I've actually found that to be really, a really useful. Um... Yeah, to d- discussion point that you you raised. Sure, there. and definitely something I'm gonna I'm gonna yeah think yeah think a lot more about I, I, and, and, and read a lot. More I about, can
2: shoot yeah. you some some other podcasts yeah. um, as well. What the kind of best explainer I think that I give to to students and other people who I talk to about this is um, very bad wizards. They have an episode or a couple of episodes on free will, and they I think one of them's a philosopher and one of them's a neuroscientist or something, mm. and so mm. they talk about stuff. Um, anyway, the reason I went on that rant is because the the Social pressure, the political pressure is real, right? Mm. But it's socially constructed. The idea that when somebody is mad, society should intervene is super brand new, right? Okay. That, that is not something that society has had forever. It's a product of modernism, essentially. And coming full circle, this is what the mental health system is trying to do. It's trying to contain behavior. It's trying to get everybody to behave in a certain way. So you're okay. You can definitely. I'm allowed to go out, cheat on my on my wife. I'm not going to. If you're listening honey. but you know, <laughs> um, you know uh, it's it, the state won't stop me if I do. You know, yeah. <laughs> um, you'll have to pay your own bounty hunters. Um, uh, I can gamble away all my money, but if I'm mad while I'm doing it, I'm not allowed to. Yeah. And so, what we're actually doing is discriminating on the basis of of madness. And so. Don't get me wrong. That doesn't mean, and so that the, 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 some of your readers will be familiar, with – or your listeners will be familiar with um, uh, Sats. What's Satz's last name? S Z A Z S. I forgotten his first name. Sats. Anyway, um, yeah, well, yeah, we can Google it. Um, it'll come to me. So the Satsian position. So he was a, a psychiatrist. Started started um, writing about this. He wrote a book in I think 1961 called "The Myth of Mental Illness," mm-hmm. and basically saying that all mental illness is a is just bad behavior that we've given a label to and I, d- I don't agree with that his, his position is that people should be punished for the things that, that that they do and and you know that will kind of fix it we should stop feeling sorry for them and you know there's a bit more to it than that but that's the kind of satsune position um, leaving people to die with their rights on right and that's really objectionable because um, it doesn't it doesn't um, I mean one it, it, it assumes the concept of free will is is real like it relies mm. on that but also it doesn't kind of factor in the the people's experience which is that madness can be really real and harmful and really problematic and um and you know the, what we what we identify under the medical model as a symptom of madness can be a horrible thing to have to live with and that society mm. really does have an obligation to support people through that and to not um you know not just leave people to die with their rights on and so that, that that's the that's the turn that comes after that of understanding that okay so this this person who who you felt the need to, to intervene with well okay maybe maybe it happens once but then you keep working with them and um, perhaps that's when an advanced statement becomes really useful mm. where you can sit down with him and say, okay, well, how was that for you? You know, like yeah. your wife's left, you got no money. Like, you know, um, what are we going to do about that? And then an advanced statement which allows someone to say, please involuntarily treat me in the future, I don't think that's discriminatory. Mm. I think that's probably okay. I think that's probably human rights compliant. That That's, that's a very um, uh, unsettled, mm. in the kind of disability, international human rights mm. disability law community, that's not a settled position but but i yeah. think i think you know those sorts of things and also like you can uh, so many times i'm before the tribunal like oh, this person poses a, a risk of harm to others because they drive their car well like, take his keys then like it's not rocket science like you know you can have his license removed through um vic roads don't need to lock him in a hospital to stop him driving his car like do you know what i mean like we're not taking the less restrictive options when they're available, if if those things are there, the number like the number of times the the somebody's the argument that the the training team gives to somebody staying in hospital is oh because they're homeless, I'm like find them a fucking house, like yeah. it's not rocket science. Mm. Don't detain somebody because you haven't been able to find them a house, and it's always a social worker making that argument. By the way, mm, yeah,
0: right, yeah, <laughs> oh man. So much so much yeah. saying, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, was... i've been i've been thinking about
2: this stuff for a while i yeah. can tell
0: you so yeah. it just yeah. Yeah. My brain. <laughs> that was amazing though <laughs> <laughs> i really i really i really yeah. enjoyed but that um yeah the psychiatrist name was thomas sats by the way there you go <laughs> yeah good
2: old Tommy sats yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
0: Cool, cool. um yeah so i guess what um in terms of like forward action like mm. what do you think could we change in terms of moving social work or mental health and social?
2: Work? Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is this is um, this is always the question, isn't it? Of, mm-hmm. Okay, so good, good one, Chris. What do we do then? And yeah. and um, I I think I think we run into a bit of a problem actually. And this is this is one of my critiques of social work: is that social work has been designed mostly by accident, actually. But where there has been some kind of intentional. Um, shift of making social work something making social work a thing it's done by professionals it's not done by people who are using social work services right Mm -hmm. and so um I i think um i think the key um organizing principle of any systemic reform should be involving people who are using that system and in mental health that's pretty easy to do so i'm the up until last month i was the chair of the victorian mental illness awareness council which is the peak body for people who use mental health services for for consumers in in victoria i'm now the deputy chair um because it was just too much work and um real job and so uh you know i see the i see the value in the consumer movement in mental health the reason that we are making progress in mental health, where we are making progress, is because of the consumer movement. I don't think there's any doubt that it's the the. I mean, you, you on your in your service, you've got um, consumer consultants we do. and yeah. yeah yeah, and so where they work, they work amazingly. I mean, the the cultural change. I mean, uh, I can hear my consumer. Um, uh, um, consultant colleagues going it's not our job to do cultural change you're supposed to bloody do it but they do do you know really good cultural change the the sense of safety in the ward when I was managing in my last job I managed a mental health service and we didn't have any consumer workers in and um, in a team of I think 30 we brought in six um, not all additional some additional some in existing roles and the language changed overnight. The way the mm. staff talked about the people who used the service, just it, it, basically on the first day, the first consumer consultant started, who had been a, a, a user of that service, yeah. just they immediately stopped saying all the horrible things that they'd been saying for years. And it was mm. it was a kind of a magical mm. um, right. Yeah. A magical change, yeah. So I think that's that's really fundamental is is um, involving people who are using the services. There's problems with that. I'm just thought really quickly about i um, I'm doing a, a, a project now looking at non-legal advocacy in child protection. So so supporting families through the child protection process. And there's no consumer movement in child protection. There's no organisation. There's no one you can go to and say, "All right, everybody who has you know experience of lived experiences of the child protection system." Help me fix this service. Yeah. They don't exist. Whereas in mental health, there's thousands of people, you know, yeah. both employed and unemployed, you know, both employed in consumer roles and, you know, yeah. yeah. So it's it, I think that's I think that's the key organising principle. In terms of specifics, we could just have services that people like. Like I was, at, I, I asked for something. I don't know um, what it's like in Taraugan. Can people get tea when they want to? Like if they want a cup of tea, are they allowed a cup of tea in the inpatient unit?
0: um uh, oh I mean, yeah, there's a cafeteria and so I'm not, I'm not really sure the specifics of yeah. exactly we, them, we but... work more community yeah the so. community. I, I we just go in and out and we'll yeah, patient, yeah have a
2: look you might yeah. you might be surprised you might yeah. be surprised so most inpatient units in or not most but um it used to be none right and now
0: mm. more
2: and more are being a bit more you know human about things um but uh, in the past you've got tea once it you know 10.30 in the morning and then again at 2 o'clock in the afternoon and that was it. If you wanted a cup of tea or a cup of coffee outside that time, then no, too bad you've got to wait. And that's still the practice in, in a number of hospitals mm-hmm. today. And I was in a, um, a rural Victorian hospital um, representing someone and they said, oh, can I can I just get a cup of tea before the hearing? I really need to calm down. That's what I do is, you know, I drink tea and I, you know, have a sit. And I went to the nurse and the nurse said, <clears throat> I said you know, can we have a cup of tea for this person? Like I know it's not cup of tea time but is it possible for someone to organize him a cup of tea because like <laughs> yeah. he's losing his shit and he's got a tribunal hearing in 15 minutes and she said it's not a hotel and I was like, oh, it should be. Why isn't it a hotel? Yeah. I mean, like, that's, that is the classic. And I, I, I feel you. I'm sorry, nurse, yeah. that I'm bagging you. But, I, yeah. like, you know, she's got 100 things to do. She's yeah. got, you know, she's underpaid. She's, you know, yeah. I understand all that. I, you know, I feel very, I'm very sympathetic towards the situation we put nurses in and I don't think it's a personal thing. But it should be like a hotel. Like, if you're in the most distressing mm. thing that is going to happen to you in your entire life, and for, for most people who go through psychosis, that's probably a pretty fair yeah, yeah. Um, assessment of their experience. Not for everybody, so quite a lot of psychosis. But um, for, for a lot of people, it's terrifying. And then you're in a horrible place. Yeah. Like, come on. You know, if you if you have cancer, and I don't wish cancer on anybody, obviously, but um, if you have cancer and you go to, um, what's the cancer hospital called? Um, Peter, Mac. Mac. Peter Mac, Peter Mac. You can get a massage, you can get a pedicure, they got a library. A li- like, hmm, yeah. come yeah. on, that's yeah. not rocket science. Like, yeah. you're going to feel better. You're going to feel better. And in mental health, we should be doing that stuff as yeah, well. Right. Yeah. One other thing, I mean, there's a, I could talk about this all day, there's a hundred things I could say about moving forward, but um, the one other thing we really need to fix is the physical health stuff so there's a recent um study um done at northwest area mental health service great study um I mean, it's terrible terrible outcome but a you know uh, a really important study um the average life expectancy of people who are using um public mental health in melbourne 2020 is 54 30 years less wow. than everybody else Right, so we have we have, I and mean, we know wow. this is we know this is a problem yeah, in a yeah. lot of different places, and mm. and often you hear kind of twenty years. So e- equally well is the name of a, of a uh, initiative that I've involved in. It's funded by the National Mental Health Commission, um, and we're kind of trying to trying to address that basically mm. through a range of different range of different things. You can just go to Equally Well, I guess it's probably org au. Google equally well, whatever. Yeah, yeah, um, <laughs> well, yeah, add it, yeah, add, yeah. Add it to the um, add it to the um, to the bio for the yeah, for the episode. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so yeah, I mean that that is like you want to talk about discrimination. Like you want to talk about years lost to suicide. We, we lose ten times more people, ten times more years lost to in the mental health, you know, in the consumer community, to physical health than we do to suicide. And yet we pump way, way more money into suicide prevention than we do into physical health support for... Wow. Like you guys say you're in the community, yeah. right? How yeah. much physical health work are you doing with people? You might do a bit of nutrition and yeah. a bit of like, you know, healthy eating, a bit of, um, you know, maybe... maybe Go for a
1: walk. Yeah, well, that's in it's it's much it's it's a lot of that like psychoeducation around. Well, these are things that are really good for you. Yeah. You know, do do yeah, this yeah. Um, on a regular yeah. basis, and that'll improve yeah. your overall yeah. mental well-being. But, that, but there's not that's that's it. That's yeah. it.
2: Yeah. Those, pe- those people are missing out on cancer screening. They're missing out on diabetes screening. They're missing out on you know every every possible kind of um, uh, physical mental. Intervention—they're way down the charts, mm. and part of that is because of the kind of symptomology stuff. People don't get out of bed; they miss appointments, etc. Um, part of it is because of the side effects of the medication, metabolic syndrome—you know, takes years off it's mm. Um But a big part of it is discrimination in the system. So we're using a medical model—we're <laughs> using mm. this really biomedical model of mental health. Everybody who's making a decision is a doctor, and yet people's physical health still isn't getting yeah. still isn't getting addressed, and so. Yeah, I think I mean, yeah. There's so many things we need to fix. The the Royal Commission, the Productivity Commission reports were like 800 pages. The, the Royal Commission one's <laughs> going to be, you yeah. know, going to be at least as long. And so, yeah, there's a lot of work to do going forward. But I think, I think if if what we are doing, coming back to that organising principle, is listening to people who are using the system, then that's the that's got to be the first point. Mm. Yeah.
1: yeah, yeah. That's right. oh, yeah. so fascinating. That's.
0: Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah. Just... Um, Aaron's, Aaron's I'm, got I'm, the having a link up. I a, think a crisis because now. Oh, oh, have you got the link up or is that? Oh, there? yeah, oh, oh. equally well. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Oh, yeah. Um, equally well. Equally well. Dot Yes. That's yes. Good. But um, yeah. No, I'm just having a crisis of of profession now. <laughs> what do I do with my life? <laughs> <laughs> well, and I mean, yeah. I mean, and I, I think
2: I think that's good. I think if you're a social worker and you're not saying. What am I doing with my life? That should be a question because you haven't—you haven't haven't been paying attention, right? Like if 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 you're not um, sorry, Jesse. No, no,
1: no. You could continue, and I'll. I'll...
2: Um,
1: uh, Yeah, I think
2: I think social workers are given this really quite amazing kind of training and and this support, and particularly the reflexivity stuff, and um, and I think you know as we as we see here today, we've got. you know, a social worker, a psychologist, and, 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 you know, half a lawyer, are, you know, like <laughs> you know, in terms of working with other disciplines and, and service navigation, all these great skills and all these great things to offer. And yet we're putting social workers in, in kind of mental health case management roles. We're putting them in child protection case management roles where basically taking these people who, if anyone has the capacity to change the world, it's people who do social work degrees, and we're putting them in these situations where they can't do very much. Yes. And so, <laughs> I, I, I think, I think that's a beautiful thing, actually. I mean, I feel sorry for you, and I, you know, I, 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 I've gone through this whole process myself. Obviously, yeah. and I'm always going through it, but. Um, I really think that there's value, and it's not reflected in that paper. That paper is supposed to make you feel really depressed about being a social worker, that's intentional. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> because Because you have to go through that, that yeah. kind of reflective stage of, okay, what am I going to do? How am I going to take these gifts, this privilege that I've been given um, and actually do something with them rather than mm. just spending my days, um, you know, doing a bit of psychoeducation and, and filling in housing applications? You know, that's, mm. the, that's the question.
1: Okay, and, and how do you go, I guess... Um you know, grappling... Between uh, you know teaching social work at, yeah. at, at I guess a tertiary level, and yeah. then um, you, you know all of these these themes and, and um, you yeah. know ideas that, that you've you've brought into into the podcast today, and and even the the paper that you wrote about you know yeah. the, the end of social work. That's it's quite an interesting because <laughs> I can imagine you would have so many aspiring social workers yeah. coming through, and you're just like, well, um, and I think it's, it's yeah, it's, totally. I think yeah. it's interesting because it's on the one hand, it's like these are things they need to know, and these are things that um, yeah. people need to be really critically thinking about and reflecting on when they're going through their Uh, degree but at the same time it's like you can kind of see how it's like oh don't don't get into this or or, yeah well maybe not don't get into this but yeah
2: Yeah. um i will say so um one of my colleagues when i posted that um that paper on twitter Mm. the end of social paper on twitter um uh replied oh shit this is gonna go down well isn't it (laughs) <laughs> like, yeah, okay. I mean, there's a couple of things. A couple of things that you know, as context before I before I actually answer. One, the British Journal of Social Work post uh, published it. Yeah, right. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. so social work. I, I, I sent something, um, not the same paper, but a, but a paper that had very similar kind of ideas to uh, a specific about human rights to um, the Australian Journal of Social Work, and they were not interested. Mm, they right. they just not not yeah. like. And so there's a real there's a real tradition of critical engagement mm. with these ideas in the UK that we do see. There's a, a number of people I could I could point to in, in Australia um, who who definitely like enjoy that kind of. Um, critical really you know it's, this isn't like critical as in let's do a bit of reflexivity and and you know reflect on our privilege stuff this is like oh uh, uh, should we even exist yeah you, know, well, this you, is you do not hold back no. like no. i was
1: <laughs> I, mean, I was reading it yeah. and I, I just looked at the uh, because aaron linked it to me it's no. like oh you should have a read of this before yeah. the yeah. before we do the recording and i, I look at the title i'm the uh, and i'm like the end of social work and and then i I look British Journal of Social Work I'm like, oh, what, what is going on? <laughs> um and you know I joked about it being clickbait I yeah. guess when yeah, yeah. B- before we started the the podcast yeah. but um it's definitely by no means that i I actually um I got so much out of reading this article and I, I actually couldn't couldn't like turn away from it. I was like, this yeah. is fascinating and Wonderful. and you you raise I think some really interesting um, uh, points and critiques um for I guess for someone you know looking outside into social work um definitely gets me. Gets me thinking yeah. a lot about about
0: um about social work. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, had, I've had. Um, like I remember when I was studying friends in the degree who, while they were studying the degree, were like, maybe I shouldn't be a social worker mm-hmm. because of the things they were learning in the social work degree. Yeah. which is actually really interesting. And yeah. I, at the time, I didn't really get that fully. But I'm like, as I started doing, especially this job, I was like, okay, I can see how. Yeah, there's there's a, there's contradictions there, but mm. I, didn't, yeah, I didn't quite grasp it. Well, I mean, I guess I, I, yeah. before I
2: talk about me as a yeah. as a educator grappling yeah. with these things, and I'm still working it out, obviously, yeah. every day. Mm. What well, as a as a mm. former student, yeah, did yeah. you? I mean, I I, f- I feel like I definitely. So I teach mainly I teach law to social work, and I think you took that course, didn't yes, you, did, yeah, yeah. And so I do try and there's no point as an academic just telling students anything like mm. they don't believe, and so <laughs> you have to kind of lay it out and mm. then lay it out in such a way that you hope that they will kind of go on the journey that you're hoping them will go mm. so did you get a sense that i was trying to like steer people away from social work or any kind of
0: um no i i got i definitely got the sense more from you maybe more so than others that you were like your, your critical lens was not just on society but on social ooh, work ooh, inwardly ooh. i didn't necessarily get that very much from necessarily other mm. lecturers so like that was something that I, I definitely found interesting about your particular lectures and, mm. and tutes was that it was yeah it was inward focus mm. and critique was other mo- most other social work subjects are critiquing society and mm. societal structures and how can social work change those things um yeah and that was actually a, a, a conversation that um and when I was studying we'd have I'd have with stu- other students all the time was how social work is very is not very good at being like, it's, it's good at being critical, but of itself, it, I feel mm. like it struggles to do that mm. where it's like, it's just very like, this is how it is. And like, it struggles to be self-critical. And we, we talked yeah. about that, how like we would challenge maybe, um, an, a, something like a lecturer or tutor about a particular idea and not get that same level of critical engagement mm. that you would get when you were challenging mm. something outside of social work. yeah yeah yeah. well
2: that's 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 good that's that's useful that's useful for me and i I
0: guess you've invited me to be on the podcast Mm -hmm. so you know i
2: I think i think and so there's a couple of things one is that i have really inspiring really passionate really pro social work colleagues Mm. who i can trust like we had the president christine's just stepped down but the president of the the australian association of social work Mm. was um uh, he still is one of my colleagues at RMIT and so she does she she puffs up the ASW you know uh, Sebastian um, Cordova he uh, was a, um, a manager at the uh, policy manager at the ASW as well um, uh, Charlene Nipperus who she was the president of the um, I, don't, I can never remember what it stands for but it's called and and ANS were Australian New Zealand something social work educators something 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 anyway and So, we've got these people there anyway. We've got these people there who love social work and think it's amazing. And so, I feel like actually I need to balance them out a little bit. There's a sense for me in which, (laughs) in which if you, and I hear that a lot from students is that, um, is that we haven't gotten this elsewhere. And I do Mm -hmm. think it's important to get. So, that, that's one thing. The other, the other is that it's, you know, I'm calling that paper. I'm calling for the abolition of social work departments, and guess who pays my wage and like for this roof and yeah. you know, I mean, it's a rental, but you know, still. Yeah. Um, the the um that is something I have to think about, and I I do think I do think you know, in a polemic like that, which is calling for something that's not going to happen, there is a bit of like just trying to scare the horses a bit, just trying to get everybody to be like. Oh, okay. What, what, what is the actual point? Like did that kind of reflective process. The the article came out of a few different kind of frustrations i've got but one of them is this endless repeated call for reforming social work and for reforming mental health like since there has been a mental health system Mm. since there has been a profession called social work there has been constant calls to reform it and things get done but like not anything anybody wanted to happen (laughs) do you know what i mean like like deinstitutionalization is such a great example people calling for the end of asylums mm. for centuries right for literally hundreds of years people calling for the end of asylums. why did the asylums get closed because we got um uh, antipsychotics that meant that we didn't have to have them anymore like it wasn't i mean there's a few other reasons yeah. but it wasn't off the back necessarily of the disability rights movement mm. Mm. to the same extent you know they, yeah. and so we, uh, yeah we, we we keep saying we need to stop being so racist in social work mm there's this great there's this graph cited in the in the paper there's this great paper called is social work racist i think it's 1996 or something like that and then it's another one in 2010 is social work still racist you know it's (laughs) like yes (laughs) like why
1: come on guys
2: stop fucking around anyway so um uh, i've got the years wrong on those if anyone's looking them up you have to look in my paper for the actual years and watch those papers published but um yeah, do you see what I'm saying? There's, there is a real need to shake mm. things up. Like whether whether I actually think that it would be better not to have social work departments or not is kind of irrelevant because the mm. point is to get people to think. Yeah. I do think we'd be better off without social work departments, but only if we then transition. It's like shutting down the asylums, right? We know deinstitutionalization led to um, the prison population that we have today and, yeah, yeah. and, and led to the homelessness um, endemic we had in, in the 90s. Like, Just shutting down the asylums isn't, isn't going to fix the problem. Yeah. Just shutting down social work isn't going to fix the problem. Yeah. But unless we can consider getting rid of social work and replacing it with something else... Would never. The point is not to get rid of social work. The point is to replace it with something else. Mm. And so that's the that's that's how I'm reconciling it. Is that you know this is a really good platform. They like my, my boss read that article and was like, yeah, this is great, Chris. You should definitely. <laughs> I sent it to my old boss as well, and she's like, yeah, good. This is good, yeah. you know. And so there, this is a. I get a lot of support, and there's a. This is a great platform to to do this kind of shaking and there are like i said before there's plenty of people if you want inspiration you know christine craig will give you inspiration and christine craig inspired me as a student basically Mm. to 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 stick with social work and to become a social worker Mm. and we have all those people so what we don't have as much of is people saying you know the emperor's got no clothes this isn't working let's do something different yeah
1: okay. right it's fantastic yeah aaron and i over lunch were um uh, on, the, on the late year we, we, we were flicking through like different parts of your article as yeah. well and then we come up to like the next step section yeah. and like as you were just talking about like you know the call like <laughs> people need to stop calling for reform yeah. and it's like if there was any um, like, you know uncertainty on your on your position around that your paper (laughs) makes it bloody clear under the next next step section which is no more ink should be pointlessly spilled calling for reform yeah yeah (laughs) we We love that (laughs) (laughs) Um, that, that, that,
2: that, that, that's kind of the point like that i mean I, i and i that whole paper is pointlessly spilled ink calling for reform like that. This is the reality of, of, um, of social work because the, I I just want, I want to say something else about mental health as well. Um, because of the, um, the dominance really that mental health has in social work more broadly, particularly because of the mental health accreditation. So I I don't know if, if your listeners will know this, but I think a, I think roughly twenty percent of the membership of the Australian Association of Social Workers is um, is mental health accredited mm-hmm. social workers, yeah. which is vastly more than those people as a proportion of social workers more generally. Because if yeah. you want to get the Medicare rebate, you have to be a member, mm. and so they're they're vastly overrepresented and um, in the professional body and as a result or not just as a result there's a lot of reasons for, for why the, the professional body doesn't you know isn't an effective agent for social change and um, but part of that is because we're so many of the people who who are members of that professional body and who see value in the professional body are in roles and have been doing roles for 20 or 30 years that are inherently human rights violating like mm-hmm. child protection or, or, or like mental health and so we're, we don't have leadership within this space. And so even, even people who are, gen, you know, Christine Craig, gen, genuinely critical um, social worker um, and, and always someone I, I've, you know, uh, looked up to as a, as a kind of a, a inspiration in, in, in social work, um, you know, I, I just stepped down as president. And I, I, I don't think I would be um, – I don't think she would disagree that she would have liked to achieve more in, in the – in the professional body uh, than she was able to, and that's because of who social workers are. They're they're conservative, like they're they people who were radical in the seventies and eighties, mm. and who over time because they're um, they're. Um, uh, political positions have basically stood still have become conservatives. They've become became, you know, kind of centrist somewhere in the nineties. And now in 2020, they're on the conservative side of the spectrum. I mean, social works movement on trans, um, uh, rights is appalling. We've done nothing like on the environment, nothing like on all of the kind of key. Um, not all, I mean, uh, uh, we've been pretty good on refugee rights in Australia, for example, we've been we've been, we've been mm. strong advocates in that space, but, it's like we're advocating like it's still 1995 you know the, mm. there's the, it's so frustrating to see that and i i see the same or similar things you know the um, in the apa the um, psycho, uh, psychology or one of the one of the competing <laughs> psychology associations anyway yeah. um so focused on protecting social on protecting the profession that they lose track of what the whole point of the profession is mm. in the first place which is to you know i guess in psychology is it to promote like wellness or mental wellness or do you know what i mean like it's it's hard to say what is the point of social work mm. anymore what are we trying to achieve and so that's it that's a big problem if we have a if we can't agree on that or if we, when we say what we're doing we're doing social justice we're doing human rights and then we're not yeah, yeah, yeah that's right. a massive problem yeah yeah
0: mm-hmm. so good. well where do you go from there? Well, <laughs> uh, yeah. That could be a good. Yeah, right. Uh, we've been going um, going for a bit over an
1: hour now. So.
0: Yeah. yeah, right. Um, um, so, um, but I, I guess maybe like before we get to um, the best part of the podcast, which is obviously reviewing our special special beer. I <laughs> <laughs> um, um, I guess um, in I guess summation i suppose mm-hmm. um what are some maybe like let's talk about i guess what are some like things that our listeners should maybe take away from all of this like what like what going forward stepping away from this podcast what are some things that they could be doing to really be thinking about their place within the mental health system if they're let say stepping into it um for the first time or they're maybe fairly new which would be most of the people listening potentially mm-hmm. um yeah, what? How? What do you reckon, Jesse? What do you reckon they should be wrapping their head
1: around? Well, I was, I was just kind of thinking as you are, as you're asking that, like before going into the beer review, I was like, yeah, Aaron, Aaron really cares about our listeners because he, he wants to, he wants to know, he wants, to, he wants, he wants, he wants them to get a get a bit of a takeaway from it, a, a summary. No. Um, so, I guess for me, the the huge takeaway that I guess I got from from that. Um, was, was particularly around, I guess, um, sectioning people under um, under the yeah. Act, and then um, you know considering more, um, you know, bit, I think I think encouraging my, myself even to to think a lot more critically about these things, and and um, I think for you know this this episode that's that's really encouraged me to to do that. Um, I love it when um, I'm kind of pushed into different different areas of thinking. Um, and Chris, you've you've done that. Um, I think in this episode uh, for me and, and I, I suspect for many of our listeners as well. Um, I think that's been, been fantastic.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I, think, uh, I think definitely for me, it's about, um, it's, easy once especially i think especially when you st- first step into a role out of uni you just like it's a lot to take in and you just want to mm. be good at your job and do uh, the job yeah. and do it well and you're not really thinking about this kind of like well what am i how what's my place in the bigger yeah. picture everything yeah. is like how do i go from a to b um but it's really important especially when you're you know working in these kinds of spaces where you're responsible like where your, where your decisions are going to have huge impacts on other people's lives To like you can't divorce those things. The way you do your job is also... You know the ethical impact that you have on the world, and so you need to actually be holding those things yeah. together at the same time. Be really thinking about those carefully. Um, you can't just I'll get good at my job and establish my career, then I'll mm. think about the ethical implications of what I do. Um, maybe too late for that, that point. Yeah, you know. I
2: think that's an excellent point because that, that's pretty much what happened to me. Is that I just jumped in and I was like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna just do this in the way that everyone else is doing it. I'm gonna do a really good job, and it wasn't until much later that I realized that I shouldn't have been doing that to begin with. <laughs> and, and yeah and you don't have that kind of support or that context because everybody in that space is saying do the job this way this is how it's done and and I think that's really important is that you know social workers are taught to see themselves as, as ethical actors within the world as in you know like you like you said there um, the way you do your job is an ethical question whether or not you think it is and so yeah I think I do think that's essential wherever people end up in in practice is to make sure that they can um act ethically apart from anything else you won't survive you can't you can't keep doing a job that sits um that sits um inconsistently with your uh, ethical framework that, that, that is what will lead to burnout quicker than anything else and so in order to survive if you either have to you know change your ethical framework which is what a lot of people do kind of reverse <laughs> justify their ethical framework mm. or they get another job yeah. or they fix their, they fix the way they're doing their job yeah
0: yeah okay. awesome great All right how about we move on to our next segment? Is that just my favorite segment? It is your favorite segment. It, and, oh. Oh, it, it, it didn't used to be my favorite segment. But you've brought me over to it becoming yeah. Well, that, that's I really good because I, I was just about
1: to say after after the chat we've had today with, yeah. with Chris, uh, I'm beginning to wonder if it is my favorite segment. <laughs> <actually>. Jesse, <laughs> you let me down the garden path. You, yeah, well, you, yeah. you,
0: you've convinced me that beer is the most important thing about my job, and now you've changed your mind. Um yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> look, I'm
1: sure. I'm sure. Give me, give me about another. 10, 10 beers, and um, <laughs> and I will have changed my my tune on that matter, um, but no, oh, no, no, I'm not going to drink 10
0: beers, Aaron, why am I not going to drink not, 10 Oh, beers? well, Jesse, you're not going to drink 10 beers, because um, on Beer Supervision, we drink responsibly, <laughs> we, are, <laughs> we only have one beer per episode, and yes. that's actually something we want to promote and advocate, is yes, that we drink beer because we love it, we think it's great, and we enjoy tasting a new beer and having a good time, but definitely don't. Promote irresponsible Yeah drinking or drinking Yeah, much, no, we, we've sure. done
1: And ten is not one um, At all Last time I checked As as far as I mean, yes. I'm only a social
0: worker I'm not a mathematician <laughs> But, you
1: know <laughs> No, but yes um, On to uh, I'm going to say um, Yeah, my, my favourite podcast Now, I'm backtracked uh, yes, um, please. We have been uh, For the course of this podcast Drinking the Hargraves Hill Extra Special Bitter Um, and Aaron, yes. what did you think of the H H E S B?
0: Um, look, it's, it was fine. Like, I think, I think none of my opinions changed that much. It was, wasn't too bitter. Wasn't too anything. I think, I think I could taste the chocolate a bit maybe as it was going down, maybe, I don't know, (laughs) but, um, look. If someone gave it to me, I'd probably drink it again, maybe. But um, like, I'm not going to be promoting it to my friends. <laughs> probably not. <laughs> How about you, Chris? What do you think?
2: Yeah, uh, I had forgotten that I'd drunken it. So, you yeah, know. it's that, already gone. That, for that, much it's much already fun. gone. <laughs> yeah, it was It was totally fine. Mine was a bit flat, which is an odd oh, thing for okay. a... Um, yeah, but uh, I, I was saying to you, before we started the recording, I've, um, uh, I, I have a brew and I'm very... Um, conscious of carbonation levels like that's my like because it, it's one of the kind of you know difficult things about home brewing is getting the carbonation right and so um I would have carbonated it slightly more. And so okay. that's probably not something most reviewers would pick up on. But um, oh, well. And I could imagine the brewer going, no, Chris, for, for this, <laughs> for, you know.
0: Um, this is why we brought you on the podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah as a beer crazy. expert. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. 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 Uh, no, it was um, uninspiring, but fine.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah I give it like t- 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 2.5. Two point five, maybe like like on the exact yeah. average, yeah. yeah. Probably not more than two point five. I wouldn't say more than two point five.
1: Yeah, look, I don't think I'd, I'd actively go and seek out this beer again. Um, sorry, to Hargraves Hill. But I just didn't really, um, couldn't really figure out what was Aww. extra spe- special about it. Oh, um, that's I think I think it's the marketing is the extra <laughs> yeah, special. Yeah. They, they, they lured me in with the marketing. Uh, it was like, what is this? Yeah. But, <laughs> but don't be fooled if a if a beer could catfish, um, <laughs> this one, this what's, one. What's, what's your reading? Ah, uh, um, yes, I'll, I will give it a two. Do
0: you? Yeah. Yeah. yeah i think uh,
2: i think i'll go a three actually when you think about okay. all the shit beers out there mm. yeah i guess so that's all like it's just yeah. the the sheer quantity of shit beers that are shitter than this one yeah, pushes okay. pushes it above average mm. to me yeah yeah I, I'm, I'm i'd happily give it a three mm. yeah. okay
0: yeah that's fair enough mm. i haven't given a beer lower than 2.5 yet i think that was the lowest i've, I've gone
1: okay yeah. Yeah. yeah i feel a bit bad now yeah, I don't know.
0: <laughs> Some brewer <laughs> out there just listening he is. to this podcast. I yeah, won't And, <laughs> and too like the, the, the person who like brewed it is like a really big fan of the podcast <laughs> <laughs>
1: and he was like, "Yes, they finally recorded. Like, they're finally <laughs> reviewing our beer, and all he wanted to do was please us." <laughs> uh, and I've just absolutely torn him to shreds. I'm mate. sorry. I think
2: on balance, I've probably convinced, I don't know, probably between 10 and 15 people not to be social workers anymore. Yeah. You've only convinced one brewer not to be a brewer <laughs> anymore, <laughs> so don't feel too bad. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. What an impact. the impact
0: yeah. we're looking for in this yeah. podcast. Yeah. It's good. <laughs> All right. Well, on that note, thank you very much, Chris, for yes. um, coming on and uh, speaking to us. Been, we've learned a lot. I'm sure the viewers have learned a lot as well. Yeah. Listeners. Yeah um yeah great um yeah we'll be back um in another two weeks me and jesse with a brand new guest um yeah so looking forward to that and we will see you then bye everyone very good thank you thanks for listening to be a supervision the podcast where we talk about the joys of working in mental health over a cold brew we record every two weeks often with guests from the mental health field if you could leave us a rating on itunes that would really help us out or share it with someone who might find it helpful if you'd like to contact us with feedback or questions, or even just to say hi, definitely do at beersupervisionpodcast at gmail.com. And you can find Supervision on Facebook and Twitter. Our opinions are our own, the beers we drink are chosen just by us, and we don't receive any sponsorships. We'll see you next time.